HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. The following program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery. Kane Vineyard and Winery supports Heritage Radio and the growing movement to change how Americans eat and how we think about our planet. For more information, visit www.kane5.com. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curtain, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. My co-host and producer extraordinaire is Sophie Schlesinger. Hello. Hello. And today we are lucky to have uh, two in-studio guests with us, Brian Kaiser and Dimitri Saad, both of Casalula uh, cheese uh, cheese and wine bar and cafe. How do you say it? Casalula cheese and wine cafe. Cheese and wine cafe. Sorry, I always want to put bar in there somehow, and it's just not appropriate. <laughs> Casalula cheese and wine cafe, and um, as of last year, elsewhere, which is a really cool new restaurant, um, both of which are located in Hell's Kitchen. Um, thank you guys for for taking time out to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, Brian, I'm going to start grilling you first. So, Casalula, you guys opened four years ago? Yeah, four years ago, May of 2007. And what was the genesis behind the idea for Casalula? Because it's such an interesting and unique place. Well, it was, it was an interesting series of events in my life that led to that. I had been working as a server in New York City restaurants for several years, and had been lucky enough to work at Chanterelle, which has was one of the first restaurants to have a really great cheese plate. Yeah. And it was part of my job there as a server to learn the cheese plate. And so I learned about cheese. Not, by, not by choice. Because you had to. It was yeah. required, yes. <laughs> Forced. Um, and then I left there and went to the Modern. And uh, there was nobody there when the restaurant was opening that was particularly interested in cheese. But the chef wanted to do a really cool cheese cart. 
So I volunteered to run it. And he said to me, great, I never want to hear about the cheese again. <laughs> and I was sort of given free reign to create this cheese program when the Modern opened. And so I sort of dove into learning a lot more about cheese really quickly so that I could pull off that job. And then realized that I was kind of tired of fine dining. And so started thinking about what I wanted to do for the next step in my career. And I decided I wanted to not work for other people anymore. I wanted <laughs> to work in the sort of place that I actually liked to hang out in. So someplace that was casual, not stuffy and formal. Mm-hmm. And I was really into cheese. And I felt like um, Americans were starting to get more and more into cheese. And we could see it on the fine dining level where people were getting great cheese plates or cheese carts with their $95 prefix at really fancy restaurants. And I didn't see why we couldn't create a cheese program like that in an environment that normal people could go to on a normal night and just be casual and relax and grab a couple of pieces of cheese and a beer or a glass of wine and not spend 200 bucks each for dinner. And so all those things together led to uh, Casalula Cheese and Wine Cafe, which the other thing, the other component is that it's this tiny, tiny little place because I didn't have any money. So uh, I think one of its charms is how small it is and how intimate it is. Um, I can relate to that, by the way. (laughs) I know I say tiny to you, but your shop is truly, truly, truly tiny. Well, and sometimes, you know, that's where the creativity comes out. And, you know, I think that's evident in having to be resourceful places. Yeah. 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 It really, it really does. I think, um, it was great for us that we had to do something so small because it forced us to be really creative and use the space really efficiently and um, do things that we, you know, we're not just a normal, not just another restaurant, partially because we couldn't be. We didn't have a kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) That that always helps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, tell us a little bit about how you conceived of the cheese program at Casa Lilla. Um, For any of our listeners who haven't been there, you must go. Immediately. It's on 52nd Street between 9th and 10th Avenues. And it is the greatest place for exactly what the reasons Brian was saying. You can get a fabulous cheese plate of one or as many cheeses as you want. I think the list usually hovers, what, around like 40 or 50 different varieties. Um, And it's amazing. So, But tell us how you kind of conceived of of your cheese program because it is very unique and different. Well, the original ideas behind the cheese were, one, I wanted to do... truly international selection with as much American cheese as possible. And so when we opened that was probably about 60% imported and 40% American. Um, And in my brief time working in the cheese world up until then, I was sort of fascinated and confused by why no matter where you had a cheese plate, the cheeses were paired with Marcona almonds or quince paste or date cake or whatever that thing is. That, <laughs> yeah. That, Pan forte. That, yeah. Um, when, you know, those are great pairings for some cheeses, but they don't go with every cheese. And so if you get a, a plate of five cheeses and you have quince paste in it, the quince paste is going to go with, you know, the Spanish sheep's milk cheese on the plate, but not with everything else. And so it was really important to me to create uh, a list of condiments to go with the list of cheeses so that we could pair the right thing, a really deliberate thing with each cheese. And 
I think that's what really sets us apart. Like our cheese plates are beautiful because each cheese is is paired with a component that is really right for it. And uh, Dimitri can probably talk more about this, uh, but uh, Dimitri and our pastry chef Lee friend spend a lot of time tasting cheeses and creating pairings to go with them. And that's you know everything from choosing the right honey to go with one cheese to Lee creating a lemon tarragon marshmallow to go with another one or, you know, bacon dipped in white chocolate for so, like it just it goes on and on and on and on. We probably have well over a hundred condiments that we work with. Um oh. so And all made in house. Not all made in house, but what do you fifty, sixty percent probably? Yeah, or even more than that now I would say. But like the mustards we can't really make um in a house, so those uh, you know, we, we buy mustards, for example, but a lot of the other things we can make in house, and it and it changes seasonally as well. So, lots of different variations of maybe the same idea. But can you talk a little bit about those brainstorming sessions? Like, so you and Lee get like a you know, <laughs> however many new cheeses you want to work with, and you just like hash it out, hash it out over <laughs> like hours of like preserves and pickles and or, yeah Flying how does it work <laughs> yeah no definitely it's um it's kind of a two-step process in the sense that a lot of the condiments we may you know because of the we'll go to the market together we'll see what's in season we'll see what's looking good and we'll pick out you know things that we want to work with and then you know we'll think of what we can possibly make with those ingredients and then based on some previously used and you know uh, pairings that we know work and as far as texture and, and flavors go when we get a new cheese we'll get in you know we bring in new cheeses or I, you know I bring in new cheeses maybe you know a few a couple once a week or a few every couple of weeks so um, when we bring them in yeah we'll get together we'll taste them and from the assortment of you know pairings that we have on hand we'll see if any of those work and if they don't you know we'll think of what we can make that can work with that cheese so it's yeah it's just a matter of tasting comparing notes com- just thinking of what comes to mind like oh that would taste really good with this if we have it on hand we'll try it and if it works then that's you know it's decided if not then you know we'll we'll come up with something new and, and then try it once it's ready and see if that works too so what, I mean, your condiments are so um, innovative. Um, Brian, the lemon tarragon marshmallow was a really good example because, you know, that's just totally wild. What was, like, something, I want to know about, like, the the epiphany pairing and then, like, yeah. the total bomb. Yeah. Like, what was, like, <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, man, that I thought that was going to work and it didn't. <laughs> well, the, the whole process is, like a lot of creative processes, sort of about throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks. So every every time you get together and try stuff, there are bombs, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. taste a cheese and you think, this would be really good with roasted onions. And then you taste them together and it's awful yeah. for some reason. And other times, yeah, somebody says lemon tarragon marshmallow and you think, huh? huh? <laughs> and then you taste it together and say, oh my God, like they were made to go together. Right. It's really great. And one of the, one of the challenges that um, Dimitri didn't mention is that we do multiple pairings for each cheese, like usually a sweet and a savory, and sometimes a third. Um, because when we get an order for six cheeses, 
we wouldn't want somebody to order six cheeses, five of which are going with sweet things. Mm -hmm. So we try to mix it up. So they have the added challenge of not just finding one pairing that's great with this, but a sweet, a savory, a fruity, like, options. Wow. That's yeah. a, that's intense. Yeah, because you don't you don't only want them to have to be all sweet, but you also don't want them to be all crunchy. For example, you don't want them to have all the same texture, or all fruit, or all pickled things. So you want to you do want to mix it up on the plate, and depending on the c- specific combination you get for that plate, you need to have options for each cheese. So yeah, so we do have to come up with usually two, often three pairings for each cheese, and there's definitely the preferred one, like this is the one that works best, but you also have to have some other ones. It's like mini Top Chef. You get like each yeah. cheese plate, and you're like, "All right, go!" You have to like figure out how to, yeah, texture, style, yeah, yeah sweet, savory, the whole nine yards. No, especially when tables order more than one cheese plate throughout the night, you don't want to give them, you know, another cheese plate with a similar pairing or the same pairing that they had on the previous cheese plate. So you also need to remember what they've ordered, and you know, and, and try to switch it up that way too. Do you write that stuff down? Yes. Yeah, we do write it down. Um, I've actually created a spreadsheet that has the three condiments listed in order for the cheeses that are on the menu at the moment. Um, just that ensures also for the nights that I'm not working, whoever's the other fromager that's working can be consistent with what we pair with what. And it's a an e- quick and easy reference for them as well, but it also helps us keep track. If I have a cheese you know, on the menu in May and then it goes off the menu for a while and comes back in September, I can go back and see what we paired with it before and then just update it for whatever's in season at the time if that if that condiment isn't available at that time again. Has anybody ever ordered... Like, what's the most cheeses anyone's ever ordered? <laughs> Has anyone ever ordered, like, I'm, all of them? I'm only aware of one table that came in and said, we want them all. Wow. It yeah. might have been before your time. Yeah, you, that wasn't... Have you seen that? I haven't seen that. The most I've done for one <laughs> table... That's awesome. <laughs> the most I've done for one... It was a table of four people, and they, they ordered, I think... You know, six cheeses each. That's twenty-four cheeses. Uh, for one person, the most I've had is twelve. Wow. We we had a. I mean, we so. we're in Midtown Manhattan, and so there are a lot of really great restaurants in the area, and so a lot of servers and bartenders and sommeliers from great restaurants come to us after work. We're we're open till two every night too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, the staff at per se comes in a lot and there were a group of a group of them that were coming in really regularly and every time they'd come in they'd say we want to order everything but there's not enough of us tonight and they and uh it sort of became a joke every time they came in they think not tonight but someday we're going to order everything <laughs> and then one night it was somebody's last night of work and so a lot of the staff came to celebrate and so they sat down took over basically the whole restaurant and said we're ordering all the cheeses <laughs> wow. so they got they got a line of 40 cheeses down the middle of the table nice that's yeah. awesome so hats off to the staff of Perset. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> what's been uh what's been popular this summer in terms of pairings and what have people been you know what's been the most popular or what's been like a theme that you've been noticing yeah generally the you know because sometimes people come in and they request cheese according to the pairing that they had the last time they, they remember the pairing mm-hmm. um and the one that we get the re- requested the most is probably the brown sugar fudge so that's one that we pretty much carry all the time almost all the time and uh it's i would say that's the one that stands out as the most requested um our brittles also get requested often i think in the summer 
we find a lot of the because because of all the fruit that's available, we do a lot of um, stewed berries or you know fresh fruit compotes or um, flavored curds, lemon curd, and other f- other fruit flavors. And those you know in the summer I think are also very popular. Yum. Well, um, Dimitri, we didn't. We just kind of jumped right into talking with you. We didn't ask about your background at all. <laughs> How the heck did you wind up as the fromager at Casalula? <laughs> yeah, it's a. It's. I was just really in the the right place at the right time. I think uh, this is a relatively new career for me, so I don't have a background that's exclusively in restaurants or wasn't for many years. Um, and also with cheese, it's, it's something that I just started really looking into in the last two years. Uh, so after, you know, taking some cheese classes at Murray's and spending um, a month making cheese at Jasper Hill Farm and working in their cellars, which was a great experience, uh, I came back and to New York, October of 2009, I think, and uh, saw an ad for assistant fromager at, at Casa Lula. And it was literally two days after I came back from, from Vermont. And, and what had you said to your coworkers when you were in Vermont? And right. Heading back to New York to find a job? Right. So while I was at Vermont, you know, they said, <laughs> what are you going to do when you go back to New York? And I said, oh, it would be great if I could you know, work part-time at, you know, behind the counter at Murray's and then work part-time at a restaurant like Casa Lula. <laughs> and then two days after I come back, uh, I see the ad. I get on my bike. I bike over there. Hadn't even gotten my stuff out of storage or anything like fixed up my resume quickly and um interviewed with brian that same day it was a sunday i think even and then uh started training the very that very week and then uh, just it just continued from there so all along we know also working at castula first you know just doing service i was like oh it'd be great if one day i could you know you run the program and buy the cheese and and that's what's happened as well. So all along, uh, things have kind of been fallen into place for me, which has been... and it's, But it's also because of all the great people I've met and have been really encouraging along the way and who have helped me along. But um, That's awesome, though. Yeah. It was it was predestined. It was yeah. like your your cheese fairy godmother was looking out for you. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, a great business, though, in which to be in Dimitri's position because it's young and it's growing like when i put an ad up for assistant fromager in a restaurant it's not like thousands of people (laughs) with that kind of experience respond to the ad i yeah i get i don't even i don't assume that i'm looking for people with that experience i'm looking for people with a diverse experience and an interest that can come in and we can work with them to do what we're doing and dimitri had exactly that resume like it didn't get no directly applicable experience but he had a bunch of obvious interests and passions that we saw would would work really well in this job and it's worked out yeah perfectly and oddly in new york looking at resumes dimitri and i went to the same high school in san diego 10 years apart random like yeah Honestly, the only reason I called him in was because I saw my high school on his resume. So <laughs> You're like, comes that's up. Dustin. I have to call the guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we have reached the halfway point of our show. We're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, I'm um, going to talk more cheese. Stay with us on Cutting the Curd. Oh, kid, she doesn't need your help. She's 
studied art in Spain. Tall boys across her brain. It's all boys, men, they'll do anything. They sat her in the shade, threw her a parade. All lined up, marching back and forth all day. She's boy, crazy. She's boy, crazy. Oh, she's And with that, we are back on Cutting the Curd. Um, you are listening to the Heritage Radio Network, and I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, co-host and producer and all-around great gal, Sophie Schlesinger, <laughs> to my right. And today we are talking with Brian Kaiser and Dimitri Saad of Casalula Cheese and Wine Cafe and Elsewhere Restaurant. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Elsewhere, your new project, uh, when, how... What's the food like? I, I, I want to hear it all. Well, we talked a little bit about how Casalula is this tiny place without a kitchen. Uh, <laughs> we have a panini press and a convection oven, and our chef Megan Johnson and pastry chef Lee Friend do amazing work there. And I think most customers who sit down and eat don't realize that we don't actually have a kitchen. Uh-huh. They do really great food with really limited resources. But we wanted to do our next step as a place that was a little bigger that had a full kitchen that gave these two really talented chefs the tools to do more and um Casalula's tiny and very very busy so we wanted to do a space that would allow more people to come in um so basically the idea is what would Casalula be if it were bigger and it turns out that it would be a lot different than what Casalula is interesting it's not small plates it's more like traditional restaurant appetizer entree dessert sort of size portions um we have a great cheese program but because we can do so much more with the food it's not the central focus of the restaurant it's a great addition to what we do and um one of the things that's really exciting to me is that when we open Casalula, the idea of doing a 40 cheese selection of all American handcrafted cheeses would be would, like there, there, there weren't really enough great ones to choose from. We weren't confident that we could always have a great list. I think and you said sixty forty at the beginning. You had like sixty percent imports, forty percent American. Yeah, I think it, it's about that. It probably stays about that. Maybe it's closer to fifty fifty now. Yeah, I'd say it's closer to fifty fifty now at Casalula. Yeah. yeah, but what's really fun to me is that we have seen such great. Advances in cheese making in this country over the last five years in terms of the number of people making cheeses, but more importantly in terms of the quality of the cheeses that people are making. And it's been really exciting to watch that growth of uh, people who were, you know, little independent cheesemakers, you know, husband and wife teams and family farms and things like that, that started making cheeses five, six, seven years ago. And we would taste their stuff and say, it's pretty good, you know, we'll get... And then three years later, taste the same cheese and say, oh, my God, this is amazing. This yeah. is better than the European thing that it's based on. This mm-hmm. is gorgeous. So when we started elsewhere, we realized that there are enough 
spectacular American cheeses that we can do an all-American list and be really proud of everything we do. And uh, so we've done that, and it's it's really exciting. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Well, I want to get back to the American cheese thing, of course, because, I don't know, it's my obsession. But I wanted to talk to you just about the neighborhood. Um, Casa Lilla and elsewhere are both located in Hell's Kitchen, which, you know, I, I feel like is a bit of like, it's kind of far away from a lot of other restaurants. What made you choose? It's far away from you. It's, <laughs> it's far away from me. It's true. I'm it's like, midtown it, Manhattan. It's actually not that far from a lot of people. Well, that, okay. But I mean, so I feel like when you open there, you were pioneers. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. A little bit. And so why that neighborhood and what, uh, I don't know, what, what do you think? And then elsewhere you chose to open in the same neighborhood. So mm-hmm. you feel like there's a lot of exciting stuff happening there yeah there were a few things that went into opening in hell's kitchen in the first place uh one was as i said before we didn't have any money so when we were looking for locations to open this thing we were going to do almost every neighborhood in new york be was out of the question either because it was too expensive in terms of real estate or because it was really in the middle of nowhere you know we didn't feel confident opening in washington heights or Gravesend, Brooklyn, or anything like that. Come on, We're, Gravesend, Brooklyn has a great cheese scene. <laughs> well, no. well, well, we could have afforded it, that's yeah. for sure. Um, and so quickly it narrowed down to just a few neighborhoods where the real estate seemed reasonable and it seemed like we could actually do what we were doing for the demographic that we were aiming for. Um, and that was pretty much the East Village, Lower East Side, and Hell's Kitchen. Um, East Village and Lower East Side, I think, are a little younger. When I'm down there, I'm surrounded by kids in their 20s, and I'm not in my 20s any longer. <laughs> and I felt like with what we were doing with cheese, we were not looking for a bunch of people just out of college. This isn't welcome like, to the Johnsons. You don't want, like, $2 right, PBRs exactly. and couches with plastic on them. Right, no. right. Yeah. Um, but we really see ourselves as a place for people to learn new things and expand their culinary horizons. And so, to me, that feels like People in their 30s who have a little more disposable income now don't mind spending $10 on a glass of wine instead of six and, <laughs> um, you know, want to go out, but without breaking the bank. You know, it's, it's, it's a, not a special occasion place exactly. Um, it's a great date place and so on. Um, so we really focused on Hell's Kitchen for that reason. It was affordable and it seemed like the people in that neighborhood were a little more mature and a little more professional. Um, it's also a very eclectic neighborhood. I mean, it's full of immigrants and it's full of, you know, 80 year old Greek couples who've lived there for 60 years and pay $28 and 97 cents for their two bedroom apartment. Um, their new condos going up that, you know, starting in the low three millions. And so it's a really diverse neighborhood. And, um, where we opened, which is just west of Ninth Avenue, at the time made us pioneers, but only by like forty feet. You know, like, <laughs> it, it, it was, people would go to Ninth Avenue. Ninth Avenue has a lot of restaurants on it, and Tenth um, Avenue was sort of way in the beyond. So we went literally forty feet. I love across it. the street. Yeah. Um, just far enough that you're edgy, but not not too far that you're scary. Yeah, yeah. And, and now there's there's stuff on 10th and 11th Avenue. Like we're not pioneers anymore. Um, but it, it 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 turned out to be a great neighborhood, and the the people like when we were under construction, 
people would poke their heads in and say, when are you guys going to open? We're so excited that you're here. You know, we put up a sign that said coming soon, Casa Lula Cheese and Wine Cafe, and people just would come in and, and, and share their excitement with us. And then once we opened, you know, we're so glad you're here. And that was a great feeling. Yeah. And um, even though the neighborhood Ninth Avenue and East is full of restaurants, it's not full of what I would call great restaurants. Yeah, no. Um, that, it, yeah. There's a lot of we good. Can say that. Yeah. There's a, <laughs> like if you want, you know, takeout or delivery Thai and Chinese, there's a ton of stuff. And if you want a good beer bar with chicken wings and burgers, there's a lot of great stuff. And if you want to spend 200 bucks on dinner, there's a lot of great stuff. Some of the best restaurants in the world are in that neighborhood. But there's this hole in the middle of affordable but really high-quality neighborhood stuff that feels like you can get a lot of downtown but not in Midtown. Yeah. So we felt like we were bringing a little bit of downtown to Midtown. So what about the name? I've actually always been curious about this, and I've just never asked because I don't know why. The opportunity has never presented itself. (laughs) Um when I decided I wanted to open a cheese-focused restaurant, I started looking for names that had some sort of cheese element to them. And, you know, a lot of things came up, like the drunken goat. And um, It's good you didn't go I with that. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> every idea I had, I would, I would go on the Internet and find that 400 people before me had exactly the same idea. Like, oh, there's a place in New Zealand with the same name, and there's... Cheese with that name, and yeah. there's a magazine with that name. <laughs> um, so I was looking at a lot of foreign languages and uh, words for cheese and curd and milk and things like that, and um, was looking through a Latin dictionary, and the word for curd, which is what they use for cheese in Latin, is caseum or caseus. And so all the manifestations of that were in a row, C-A-S-E. And in the midst of them was this word, Casalula, C-A-S-E-L-L-U-L-A, that um, is apparently Latin slang. It was news to me that they had slang in Latin. But, Thank God. Um, <laughs> that means a little house or a little hut. But it shares the same root, C-A-S-E, as Caseum and Caseus, which means cheese. So I thought, that's basically... The little house for cheese. Yeah. Or the little cheese hut. Yeah. <laughs> so it seemed perfect. And if you Google Casalula, you get us and Latin dictionaries, and that's it. Nobody else is using the word. So it's like, okay, it's meant to be. This is this is my name now. I'm glad you went with Casalula and not the little cheese hut. Those are good. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're we're helping Latin stay alive and evolve. Like we're doing for Latin what Snoop Dogg is doing for the English language. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you open a third place, you can have like a Snoop Dogg word, you know, yeah. Yeah. one of his innovations. Cassizzle. I, <laughs> <laughs> I just saw Soul Plane. It was awesome. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who hasn't seen Soul Plane, highly recommended. Right. Did you rent it? I'm going to put it on my queue while we're talking. It. No, it was on TV and it was just like, I, I was, I rolled my eyes. My fiance was like, Let's watch this. And I was like, no. And then I was like, this is the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. <laughs> um, which probably also tells you how often I go to the movies. <laughs> oh. But so um, we only have a couple minutes left, but we were talking about American cheeses and how excited you guys are about the new um, or the development and quality and um, all that. We were both, we were all, all three of us just at the ACS conference in Montreal. 
Um, were there any standouts for you that uh, really took, I don't know, that, that got your attention? Um, American, Canadian, anything? Dimitri? I know you like the Canadians, Dimitri. Yeah. Let's hear it. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were a lot of really good Canadian cheeses. Um, and something I'd like to do is get more Canadian cheeses on the menu. Um, at, the, at the moment, it's kind of difficult to do. It's hard to get Canadian cheeses in the U.S. Um, that being said, I mean, there were definitely some very good ones that I tasted when I was there. Um, I don't know if you, got a, if you got a chance to taste many of them either. Um, but it was a bit frustrating because you could taste them and you could like them, but then... But then you can't get them imported. Then you can't bring them into the U.S. So Right. And, um, and I understand that it's... I'm not sure exactly why that is. Uh, Do you think it's a virtue of the size of production? It, that could be... I think that could be part of it. Uh, although, I mean, some... I would imagine some of the production is as big as, you know, cheesemakers in Vermont, and it's not that much further for cheeses from Quebec, for example... Um, but I think, you know, and someone mentioned that there isn't really the market for it here and and that American cheeses need to, you know, Americans need to learn more about American cheeses before they start eating Canadian cheeses. And I think that's that's a valid point as well. Um, the, Ameri- the American cheese industry, even though, even though it has grown a lot in the last four years, as Brian mentioned, um, there's still room for it to grow. And there's still a lot of very good new American cheesemakers coming out as well. So, so I guess it... it there's a point that you know we could you know or we you know we should focus on that more and and educating the um the American public about American cheeses before we you know start looking Canadian cheeses as well um not I that don't it's know. Nec- not I think the, the n- Canadian cheeses were great and we uh, share yeah, continent after all I mean mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. it's not that so big of a difference <laughs> it's, it's, it looks no. like the Midwest when you get up there again yeah. you know it's like we all share these uh, yeah <laughs> right. Montreal looks just like St. Louis right no <laughs> but driving from Vermont to Montreal I, I yeah. was struck by how much it looks like the Midwest right. it's, it's sort <laughs> of silly because we get cheeses from a lot further away and it's no problem and just because there's a border in between us it's a big bureaucratic problem and so when we're dealing with little cheesemakers who don't make a ton of cheese they probably can't afford what they would have to go through to get an export license or get a distributor who could export it and um, they don't have the time and they probably don't need to I mean a lot of people are selling out all their cheeses by going to their local green market and selling to a couple local restaurants and shops so they don't need to go through the hassle right which you know the flip side of that is it's good to stay local and it's good to give us an excuse to go to Canada and try what they're doing there there. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I don't know, Brian, any standouts for you, uh, American or otherwise? Um, yeah, well, you know, the best in show winner, the Rogue River Blue, has been one of my favorite cheeses for years. And awesome cheese. it was gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous this year. So I'm excited yeah, for hats them off to and Carrie and David. Hats that off to Carrie and David. They do <laughs> such great stuff and are nice people on top of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, the the one new one that was totally too new to me was, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but it's Becha Farms, I think. Did They're you in, see like, them? They're in Missouri, right? They're in Missouri. I saw their name in the awards ceremony, and I can't say that I found any of their cheese in the menagerie that is the mm-hmm. Festival of Cheese. But I did, actually. I I saw the the woman who I assume is the cheesemaker and recognized her because she was 
I don't know if she's Mennonite or Amish, but was wearing an outfit that stood out at the American Cheese Society <laughs> conference. So yeah. I saw her because I saw her collect her awards and uh, asked her about her cheeses and said, where are they? And so she pointed them out to me. And uh, a couple of them were really, really good. The uh, Florida, Florida Valet, uh, which is a washed rind cheese, was really, really delicious. Um, so that was, that was the one to me that I'd never heard of that I found that I really, really liked. Um, and then there were some, you know, some of the old familiar stuff was really great. Upland's Pleasant Ridge Reserve is always good. And, oh, yeah. Um, I tried some stuff from Prairie Fruits this year that I really loved. From uh, Actually, Leslie Cooperand was on our show a couple months ago for yeah. the State of Cheese in Illinois, yeah. and I never had a chance to try her cheeses. And they were they were great. Yeah, so. we've got some of their stuff on the list now, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we do have some of their stuff on our on our list. I and gotta also, come in. <laughs> and also, uh, you know, Brian mentioned Missouri, and I didn't see this cheese at at the Festival of Cheese, and it didn't win any awards. But the Bosa from Green Dirt Farm in Missouri is one that I know is Brian's yeah. personal favorite on, at the moment, and one that I was surprised didn't win any awards if it was entered. I didn't I didn't see it necessarily out there, but that's a really good cheese from Missouri as well. Yeah, that's people ask me all the time. What's your favorite cheese? And it's certainly it's not an impossible question. You can't answer. It, it, the answer doesn't stand still. It changes all the time. Mm. And I usually have trouble answering that. But right now, like this week, Green Dirt Bosa is my favorite cheese all in right. the world. All right, everybody. Yeah. So you heard it. Get in. Get yourself to Casalula or elsewhere or both. And uh, and try these delicious cheeses. What uh, websites so people can find you guys? Um, www.casalula.com. That is spelled exactly the way that it sounds. C A S E L L U L A. Um, and elsewherenyc.com. Excellent. And um, we didn't talk about this, but we should at least mention it that in October you and I are going to do a, a cheese oh, yeah. maker event at Elsewhere. We in are our, in our garden room. Yep. We don't really know much more detail beyond that, <laughs> but in honor of American Cheese Month, um, October so. is officially American Cheese Month for yeah. anyone who doesn't know. It's Get ready. it's been ordained by the American <laughs> Cheese Society, yeah. Um, and we're yeah we're going to have an event. Uh, it's going to be a fundraiser for the American Cheese Education Foundation, which is a branch of the ACS that raises funds for. Um, education initiatives but also provides scholarships for people to attend the yearly conference and um just does a lot of good work so um we're gonna yeah cook up something delicious so stay stay tuned for that for sure yeah i'm looking forward to it me too absolutely all right well thank you guys both for for taking the time to be on the show and uh everybody who's listening should go to casalula and elsewhere because they're fabulous restaurants Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, and then call in and tell us about it because no one ever calls in. <laughs> yeah. or, or send us an email. Or send us an email. Info yeah. at heritageradionetwork.com. Do you love Casalilla? We want to hear about it. Should yeah. we do a discount? Should we say mention cutting the curd? <laughs> that and would actually be a great experiment. I don't know. Yeah. How, my grandma might come. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to know how many people are listening? We'll find out. Yeah. Mention cutting the curd at Casalilla or elsewhere, and uh, we'll give you a free piece of cheese with your cheese order. We'll give you one free extra piece of cheese. Wow, that is super generous. Thanks, It just came to me. I'm sure I'm just creating a (laughs) domino effect disaster. Do you want to put an expiration date on it or anything? Um, (laughs) 
Yeah, let's say let's let's give it a year. Let's, let's give it a year. Yeah. Okay. Let's say August twenty second, two thousand twelve. Wow. We'll stop honoring this. Super <laughs> super generous. Well, thank you guys again yeah, for being on the you. show. This was tons of fun, and I'm sure we'll, hopefully you'll come back. I hope so too. All right. <laughs> thanks, th- Anne. Thanks for listening. Bye. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Anne Saxby. Listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. <laughs>